0: Welcome to Pixelated Perspectives Podcast. My name is Tanya Verquin. This is episode 45. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is an important topic to cover. It's been a listener request and recommendation multiple times, so I'm really, really happy to discuss this and bring this forward from the Dermasche Hayakunde, or German New Medicine perspective. And the topic today is diabetes, type 1 and type 2 diabetes. I always include a disclaimer in the show notes, but I want to repeat it here aloud. You know, the information that I'm sharing is only that. It's information. It is not intended as medical advice, nor do I recommend any protocols. The value in these episodes are primarily to help one understand where symptoms and where conditions come from based on the knowledge of Dr. Hammer's Five Biological Laws of Nature, and to realize that these are not malfunctions. No matter what symptoms or conditions one experiences, they're not malfunctions and they're not random occurrences. The most impactful result that the understandings of Dramat Shahai Kunde and GNM has brought me and my family is freedom from fear and panic around whatever symptoms come up for us the knowledge of natural laws specifically the biological laws are absolutely necessary in order to understand that everything we've been taught about you know so called disease and illness and infection and and whatever is a complete and utter misconception and an inversion to reality If you're new to German New Medicine and new to this podcast, then I invite you to check out previous episodes where I've explained the laws of nature in quite a bit of depth. And for those who are familiar with Grammatische Hayekunde and German New Medicine, in my opinion, there's no such thing as too much review and revisiting this body of knowledge. But in any case, thank you so much for being here. Let's get into diabetes from the Germatishe Hayakunde perspective. Oftentimes in life, circumstances require being viewed from alternate perspectives in order to gain new insights and awareness around them. Like stepping back from a painting of little shaded squares until it reveals the clear intended picture. Welcome to Pixelated Perspectives the podcast intended to offer new perspectives into your health and overall well-being, explained through the lens of German New Medicine. I'm your host, Tanya Berkwin. I'm an artist, family woman, and nature and life enthusiast. So, let's get into it. To understand diabetes or any quote-unquote disease, we have to understand the first biological law of nature that you know, describes the cause. Okay, so there's always going to be a brain control relay, a specific brain control relay, and a very specific organ controlled from that brain involved, based on what our psyche perceived as an unexpected conflict shock, a moment in time where you felt isolated and you were caught off guard that you d- you could not foresee this coming, and it was highly acute and dramatic. This my friends, is what is called the cause. This is the first biological law of nature. And so it begins a special or a significant biological program of nature. And for diabetes, both type 1 and type 2, we're dealing with the alpha and beta islet cells. This is, these cells are controlled from the ectodermal tissues. Okay, This means that this is located in the cortex, the cerebral cortex of the brain. And it's often referred to as the glucose center so the alpha islet cells is the glucagon center it controls the glucagon levels and the beta islet cells controls the insulin levels so they're two different areas within the brain cortex the cerebral cortex but they're side by side they're located side by side within the cortex so there's Again the left side of the brain hemisphere there's the alpha islet cells and on the right side there's the beta islet cells. Now this is important because in terms of the cerebral cortex and the right and left hemispheres of the brain hormonal levels are really key. So there's different conflict themes based on what a person's hormone status is. So for the beta islet cells on the right-hand side of the brain hemisphere, it has to do with a male resistance conflict. So in order for a significant biological program to begin that involves the beta islet cells where it alters the function of the insulin, so it's actually called hyperglycemia, this is meaning there's higher blood sugar level because insulin production is impaired. And this is what is called diabetes or hypoglycemia. So in order for this to actually occur, there has to be an experience of a male resistance conflict. So a resistance against a particular person or a particular thing, like um, someone resisting his superior, you know, resisting his boss at work or resisting the car accident that killed his family. There is going to be a male resistance conflict. Now, when I say male, this just means that the hormone status is of male hormone status. So more testosterone than estrogen. Women can actually have a male hormone status. So uh, a young woman on the birth control pill will have more testosterone than estrogen. So she would actually have a male hormone status. A postmenopausal woman has a male hormone status. There's more, uh, there's less estrogen than testosterone. So let's talk about what other examples would possibly work for this. You know, uh, experiencing an unexpected conflict shock regarding a male resistance conflict. So that could look like a young boy at school constantly being bullied and bombarded by a group of other boys, and you know, this is a resistance. To his bullying. Um, it could be, as I said, at work with a boss or with a co worker, maybe being caught off guard by the boss saying, You're in charge of this for now, or You're going to be set in this office now. Like anything that would make somebody perceive a resistance. And oftentimes it's accompanied with fear and with anger. So, you know. Uh, revulsion against something so when someone is conflict active with this program there is a loss of function so no insulin is produced and therefore the blood sugar rises now this hyperglycemia this too high of blood sugar level well this has a biological purpose a sensefulness to it having more sugar in the blood provides more energy to resist the conflict more successfully. And that is nature's biological reasoning behind producing more blood sugar, a higher blood sugar level. When someone resolves this conflict, then the blood sugar drops slowly. And during the height of the healing phase, it's called the epicrisis, there is a sudden rise of blood sugar again, and if it's severe, then somebody could go into a hyperglycemic shock and uh, it could even cause a diabetic coma. But, you know, these are these are in really severe cases. After that epi crisis, then there is a rapid decrease again of blood sugar and that decrease is called hypoglycemia. And this can last for the rest of the healing phase. And what keeps something ongoing Like a diagnosis of diabetes is tracks, is a constant conflict relapse. So if it is to do with work and the boss at work and resistance there, well, then every time that person is at work with the boss, there's going to be another conflict relapse. And then that's going to cause the spike in blood sugar level. And then when the person goes home, well, they leave the boss. They're no longer around the conflict and that activity. And so the blood level decreases again and then back at work again the next day. And it's just on, off, on, off. And so this is what is called diabetes. If the conflict shop was a car accident that killed his family or a spouse, well, the trigger might be every time he he goes to drive or every time he's in a vehicle this would be the track, the trigger that sets back the conflict relapse into uh, a state of conflict activity. And then when he's out of the vehicle, he doesn't have to travel, then he's back in resolution. And so it's on, off, on, off. And this is that prolonged and chronic condition of diabetes. So it's necessary, you can see, is to understand and correlate that A resistance conflict, a male resistance conflict, would have had to occur to begin a program. And it's important to understand that there are tracks involved if this has been something a person deals with for years. There are times when, you know, if we're looking at 20, 30, 40 years of diabetic activity, we probably don't need to or don't even want to go and try to resolve it because it's been so many years of conflict load act- of conflict load activity that the healing phase would be too severe. And so if a person has been dealing with, you know, chronic diabetes for 30, 40 years, chances are it's not that bad anymore because the, the tracks, so many of them dissolve over time naturally because we, you know, we grow in consciousness. We, we don't see things the way we used to see them when we were younger And so they just become irrelevant. So a lot of times people will grow out of diabetes naturally, grow out of this condition just because of that fact. Um, And they're no longer around as many tracks as they used to be. Let's say it was at work and so they retire. So they naturally, this condition can naturally go away by itself due to not being around the tracks that constantly put somebody back into conflict activity all the time. But somebody who has, you know, recently a couple years or a couple months have had a diagnosis of diabetes, well, then this would be very valuable to try to pinpoint what was that conflict shock? What was that moment? What happened that you perceived or one perceived a resistance, a male resistance conflict? Now, we're going to talk about the female conflict in a moment here. But just speaking on that beta islet cells specifically right now and that hyperglycemia. Again, and then we're going to be wanting to figure out what the tracks are. So, you know, whether you do a a symptom log every time you get a, a rise in blood sugar. Well, then, you know, what is it? What were you around? Who were you around? What were you talking about? You know, where were you? Just what was the general environment? What was the general feeling state? And then you can, you know, after a couple of weeks, really get a clear idea of the common threads in there and what actually is a track or multiple tracks. You can identify that way quite simply with the alpha islet cells. This is on the left side of the cerebral cortex and the left side of the brain hemisphere. And this has to do with a female fear-disgust conflict. So either female that Yes, she has more estrogen than testosterone, or a male can have a female fear disgust conflict. In a couple different scenarios, if the male has already had a territorial conflict with the, in the right side of the brain hemisphere, then that side closes, and the next territorial conflict they experience will be on the left side, which would involve the alpha islet cells. Um, It would still be perceived as a male conflict, but it would be the alpha islet cells that is, you know, will cause a functional impairment. And in this case, it's hypoglycemia. So this is an under sugar level. Also, if a male is left-handed and has a resistance conflict, it will still impact the alpha islet cells on the left hand, on the female side. And this is just one of the rules for these territorial areas in the cerebral cortex. So we don't have to get much into that. Just understand that although it's a female fear-disgust conflict that initiates a program in the alpha islet cells, a male can also experience it, just as a female can experience a resistance conflict. Okay, so a fear-disgust, what does that look like? So it could be anything upsetting that has to do with something that is compulsive and disgusting that is accompanied with fear. So, this could be a young child who falls face first in a pile of mud and water, and you know it's disgusting and it's fearful for her. That's how she perceived it, and so this would initiate a biological program in the alpha islet cells. And again, this is the under sugar program, the hypoglycemia. So too low a blood sugar level. This type of conflict is often initiated by sexual abuse or being forced to give oral sex. So it's fear and disgust at the same time. I've heard about a case study who two friends were out eating at a restaurant and one of the friends has fish poisoning from the food and then when she gets home to her girlfriend's place she throws up and can't stop throwing up. She's puking all over and her girlfriend has this, you know, blue carpet and she's throwing up all over it. And so she's watching her friend who cannot stop vomiting. She's she's watching her out of fear. Oh my, oh my God, my friend is dying here in front of my eyes. And that experience is both fearful and revolting at the same time. So this is an example of a fear-disgust conflict in how someone would develop a hypoglycemic condition. And oftentimes this is where we find overweight people. People that will have chocolate bars and candy in their purses or juice boxes just always having some form of sugar along with them. Just because they need they need that boost of sugar when they feel their sugar levels low. And a lot of times this goes undiagnosed. You know, you're just you just kind of identify somebody who always who has a sugar, sugar tooth, you know, a sugar craving and always carries something with them. So this is something that if it's undiagnosed, it's not very severe, it's totally manageable. It's when, you know, it's severe, then people can go into, you know, a hypoglycemic shock. So just like in the case with diabetes, which is type 1, what we were talking about earlier, a permanent undersupply means that this is hang and healing again. There's conflict. There's constant conflict relapses happening, just as what we were saying before. So at this point, it's how can we identify and correlate a very specific incident or experience that happened that was a fear-disgust conflict. Um, what was that? And then identifying the tracks, the things that keep triggering it into a conflict relapse. So these components are extremely important. And again, we have to talk about the time frame. So if it's something that if someone has been experiencing this condition for decades, then just leave it alone. They're obviously coping quite well, you know, being able to just eat something sugary and they correct their blood sugar on their own, you know, so we just leave it because the healing phase would be too severe. And sometimes it's, you can't survive a really, really severe healing phase when we're dealing with you know decades of conflict load activity but if this is something more sure shorter term well then yes do the work to try to identify what that conflict was what that fear disgust was and then what are the tracks so again using the same symptom log method just recording down the environment the feeling state of when the blood sugar drops What is it that keeps triggering you into that state? So this is imperative on how to finally bring this program to a close. Let's talk about type 2 diabetes now. Type 2 is basically a glucose constellation. This is what it's called. That means it involves both glucose relays. It involves the beta and the alpha. So we've got hyperglycemic and hypoglycemic. We've got a resistance conflict active and a fear disgust active. Now in this case, it's it's possible to have what is known as a central sugar conflict that is balanced, where the conflict load is, is balanced on both sides and they kind of cancel each other out. So this is when someone can live without insulin. And then in other cases, there's an accentuation of the insulin center. So that conflict is just it has a heavier conflict load than the glucose center and so someone will need to take insulin so it becomes apparent then that the resistance conflict is more of a of a heavier weighted conflict than the fear-disgust conflict although they are still both involved now the same rule applies to this if this has been years and years of conflict load activity, then with the help of a proper Germanische Shahayakunde therapist, that would be for them to decide whether it's something that they should try to resolve. But if it's more recent, and if, you know, there hasn't been a decade or more of conflict activity, well then, this would probably be really beneficial to resolve or try to um, identify what these conflicts were. Now, if we're dealing with the male, like let's say a teenage male, the very first conflict would have had to been a resistance conflict. Their first territorial conflict would have to happen on the right side of the brain hemisphere. If he's right-handed, if he's a left-handed male, then even though he had a resistance conflict, it would be affecting the left side, which would be the alpha side. So understanding that, okay, if this is a a male with normal hormone status, male hormone status, they would have first had to experience a resistance type conflict. And then the second conflict would have been a fear-disgust conflict. And now if this is a female, you know, teenage girl who has normal female hormone status, her very first conflict would have been a fear-disgust conflict. And her second one would have then been a resistance conflict. So getting clear on these conflicts and what they could have been, this is the work. This really is, and it's super helpful to work with a therapist in this instance who understands German new medicine, who understands these five biological laws of nature, who understand this this rule, this balance of the brain hemispheres. But even if you didn't work with a therapist just understanding that diabetes and hypoglycemia, understanding what the cause is, first of all, is so important. Because then you understand that these impairments, these functional impairments of the the islet cells are not random, and they're not malfunctions within your system. They're actually very meaningful. And just that alone, that thought and that awareness alone will take the fear away. Or at least if it doesn't take the fear away, at least it'll help downgrade the fear that you feel. And, and you'll have a better understanding of just the perfection that your body is, the wisdom endowed within it, and how it's so intrinsically connected to nature. Because we are nature and the laws of nature are one and the same for us, and for animals alike, so these biological processes and these physiological processes are always meaningful and they're senseful. So that thought alone is amazing, and then understanding that there's something you can do about it if it's in the right time frame—that you can I- identify what the conflict was—and if you can't, if it, you know, something that you just can't remember, you can't think of, well, then at least work on identifying the tracks, the things that keep putting you back into a conflict relapse. So this is our work. This is something that, you know, as I said, you can have a therapist help you with, but if not, this is totally doable for you and and having support like a family member or a friend, somebody else to support you through this. But the bottom line is, you know, the fear and panic will be a lot less when one understands these laws and that we our bodies are just adapting to what we are psychologically and biologically experiencing. So I really hope that this episode has been helpful. Um, If you have any questions, I'm sure you will. Um, Please don't hesitate to reach out. I also have a monthly membership It's called New Perspectives, where we meet twice every month, every other Monday, and we talk about, you know, case studies, we talk about examples, we get into the specific laws, the five biological laws of nature, and we just go through these laws in depth. We go through questions and answers, and we bring on guests to help solidify and clarify um, the Gramat Hayakunde. There's a link to the membership in the show notes as well. I have a new workbook out that is available right now. It's called the Symptom Log. It's a four-week workbook that is all about overcoming chronic conditions. So if you are somebody who experiencing recurring reoccurring symptoms of any kind, check out that workbook. I'm going to leave a link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune into this episode. If you found some value in it, please consider subscribing and leave an honest review in iTunes. I'd love to help get this information out to more people. And go ahead and share it with a friend. You can reach and connect with me at tanyaverquin.ca or on the socials at Tanya Verquin.